Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Sarah Strong and you're listening to the Wheel Suckers podcast. Today, we are talking to Sarah Strong about cycling and mental health, Beastway, bikes and brains, and you'll find out about Meep Meep. I'm your captain, Alex. I look after social media marketing and events at Look Mum No Hands, a cycle cafe bar workshop on 49 Old Street, London. We serve coffee, bikes, beer, food, and I'm joined by my stoker. Jenny's in the back. I'm the director of the London Bike Kitchen. We are a do-it-together bike workshop located in Hackney, and we teach people how to fix their own bikes through classes, drop-in sessions, and our women and gender variant wag nights. The Wheel Suckers podcast is forged in the studios of Wardour in the fantasmical Fitzrovia, London. Wardour studios love recording podcasts. We do a podcast. Why don't you? It's easy. Stop talking about it and start doing it. It's, it's so easy. <laughs> we edit out the stress. <laughs> oh, we have a guest in the studio today. Yeah, we're going to talk about stress. <laughs> talk about stress. With, with Sarah. Hello, yes. I think we should talk an awful lot about stress and depression, but in a cheery way. <laughs> yeah. We talk about it before it happens, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. easier to talk about it before it turns into yeah. something else. Yeah. What's your name? I'm Sarah Strong and I work-wise, I work in mental health, in primary care mental health. I'm employed by a mental health charity, but I deliver a social support project on behalf of the local NHS psychological therapy services. In terms of the kind of cycling, I've been sort of in around the, the various circles of London cycling over the last 15 years plus, starting off with Beastway mountain bike races, which I think we're going to touch on a little bit later on, have a chat about. Over the last sort of few years, I've been sort of talking with quite a few fellow cyclists about mental health and particularly depression and anxiety. Wrote a couple of pieces, one that went up on totalwomencycling.com a few years ago and a piece in Cycling Weekly. And I was quite surprised actually how many people that I'd known for a while came back to me and had a kind of private word and said oh you know thanks for writing that piece I go through something myself like that and it just I kept on hearing all these voices of people who rode bikes and experienced mental health issues and there seemed to be this to me this bigger overlap than there might be in perhaps other areas of life and where people were actually talking about the bike being really helpful to keeping their mood up or prevent it from kind of dropping any further. And I just thought, why don't we explore this a little bit more? 
for a little bit of insight for some of the listeners who don't know, Sarah organised an event at Look Mum No Hands, which was Let's Talk About Cycling and Mental Health. I'll put a link below because we recorded the panel. Mm. You approached me to organise it and I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I really liked that your opening slide was just (laughs) loads of pictures of really fucking awful (laughs) motivational posters. (laughs) Oh no, like the things you see on Instagram. I just need to go cycling. When I'm sad, I ride my bike. And I really liked that you honed in the first thing was that there's this common misconception that if you're Mm. depressed or if you're struggling with mental health, you should just ride your bike. Everything is cured and you'll be much better. And it was really healthy, I think, to start the event with that. Mm. You know, let's just talk about this isn't going to maybe cure you this isn't maybe always going to help and that was quite refreshing I wanted to sort of start with that because although I think the health benefits of cycling are are probably kind of pretty well known and a lot of people who do have mental health issues particularly anxiety and depression and also who ride know that from you know most of the time if they go on their bike they will feel better at the end of it but the whole thing about the motivational posters, which is a little bit of a sort of bugbear of mine, is that obviously it's incredibly simplistic and it doesn't tell the whole story. And I wanted to also sort of investigate some stories about the more complicated aspects of around cycling and dealing with anxiety. And it came up, I think we first chatted after Aisha McGowan's talk, which was about 18 months ago now, um, where she was saying about anxiety in relation to racing. That's something a little bit that I've, I've sort of experienced myself. So just in terms of how you have to be very aware of your own mental health issues and how they're going to impact um, on your cycling and that it isn't just, you know, here's a magic thing that's going to cure you. And I think the the panel that we had with Jules Walker and Adele Mitchell and Bruce Carsten, who's um, from Stolen Goat and Rowan Gosh, that it gave a nice sort of range of experiences in terms of sort of cycling and mental health and just hopefully kind of gave a a sort of representation of it, you know, not all just being kind of a, a magic thing which you can, can call upon to improve your mood. Yeah, explore the, sort of the, the deeper crevices of, of cycling and mental health and the, the complexities of it as well. Yeah, it's not a magic bullet, is it? Humans love that. This bike's going to solve everything. I just want one thing and I want it done now. And I can totally understand why, when particularly if you're you're going through some of all this, you think, I just want the one thing that's going to make it better. You can absolutely see why people sort of look for something like that or want something to be, you know, that that kind of the magic bullet or the, the magic pill. But, you know, the reality is it's usually kind of quite a long haul a long process which and there'll be you know dips along the way you know, kind of recovery certainly from some mental health issues it's not some nice gentle upward curve it's kind of quite rocky and- yeah it was really important to hear other people talking about it and mm. getting everybody in a room and I remember at the time I put it online people just signed up straight away and I think mm, people yeah. really wanted it people needed it maybe let's talk about next steps because after that happened Bikes and Brains was born yep yeah so after the success of the thing at Look Mum, I, think I said at the time that I was thinking, well, as long as maybe about 15 or 20 people turn up, if the worst comes to the worst, we'll just sit down and have a few beers and uh, pretend this never happened. But, you know, that's my anxiety kicking in. It was quite in. a lot you know, of people. I can't remember of, how many bit, now. There's a lot of people. Yeah, I think maybe about like six. 60, yeah, 60, 70, 60, 70. Yeah. Um, and again, the, most, the number of people who, when you were retweeting it, and people who I'm linked on with on social media as well, sort of came back and said, "Oh, you know, I can't be there, but I listened online, or followed up with a point of listening to the podcast." Yeah, that sort of reassurance that actually there are lots and lots of people out there who wanted to hear something like this, and you know, it goes back to the continuing process of breaking down stigma and making sure the voices are heard in a very kind of 
public arena and it isn't just happening kind of you know chat behind closed doors because it is that you know the, the more things are discussed kind of openly and you know without any sense of kind of hysteria or um or kind of shame or whatever sort of emotions you, negative emotions you can attach to it the easier it becomes for other people to open up about their experiences to find help to know that people might sort of understand and it, i see bikes and brains is very much as that a part of that process and yeah so, so when that um went so well I thought well I guess I I should probably start some sort of some sort of website or blog one sort of to put up links to podcast and also to record the sort of the events and the people kind of people's feedback but I think that my primary concern was actually having a space to host other people's sort of experiences I mean it's sort of tied together with my own ramblings but it's somewhere there that people feel that they can write a bit about their own experience, whatever it is, in relation to kind of cycling and mental health, and that I can host it and that other people can come to that blog and see what other people have gone through and can read about it and then perhaps, you know, feel that's someone who's writing um, in a way that very much sort of harks back to my own experience, put up some links to other possible sort of sites for help and highlight other people's kind of blogs as well. And it doesn't matter, you know, people don't have to put their names to it. It can be anonymous if they feel, but somewhere where they can just express what's sort of gone on and what's happening and how they've been feeling. And we were chatting a little bit earlier about just the importance of not kind of squashing it down and kind of keeping it to yourself. You know, it's, it, it becomes a, a cliche that's good to talk, but it, it's really true. Whether it's with a mental health professional or whether it's with your friends or whether it's expressing yourself sort of somehow is incredibly helpful. I don't think that can be unstated. So is that what Bikes and Brains is currently? Ongoing ongoing invitations for people to submit their sort of own pieces, which I can sort of host and, and on the blog. And that's, you know, guest posts in between my pieces. But also in terms of sort of the evenings sort of kicked off at, at uh, Look Mum No Hands, taking that out into various sort of bike-related spaces kind of around the country. And that's, I guess it's still relatively early days. There's been three so far. But looking to the future, I'm hoping that I can do that sort of more of in more places that maybe there's lots of sort of things possibly bubbling about in the background depending on sort of opportunity and kind of funding and things like that. And that's the next stage, maybe sort of looking for funding to be able to sort of sustain it and widen it because it's something that I'm just doing on the side alongside my nine-to-five at the moment. But whether it's sort of setting up kind of bikes and brains rides that they may be sort of across the country. It might mean a question of liaising with people who'd be willing to be kind of ambassadors for that area. Just casual rides where you can kind of get together. And again, there's no obligation to necessarily talk about your own sort of mental health sort of situation or issues, but the space that you know that you can do that if you want to and that other people are there for the same reason. But it isn't, you know, just a sort of 80-mile thrash fest out into the countryside and back again, that it is kind of inclusive. And quite often it's easier for people to talk about their own situation whilst they're doing something else. So it's not the focus. It's not so confrontational. You're not just sitting down in front of someone else with that eye contact, um, trying to formulate your, your thoughts on something. It might be, you know, you might be fettling the bike. You might be just kind of riding around sort of negotiating kind of traffic. But it's actually that can facilitate that conversation quite easily. At the moment, it partly depends on my ability to give the time to it. So I'm trying to work out how that's going to happen. 
anybody listening can go on the website and yep. submit their stories? Yes, yeah, there's a kind of contact page. Um, I mean, people can get in contact with me via Twitter as well. My personal sort of Twitter account, Opiumia, but there is a Bikes and Brains Twitter account bikesandbrains.com there's send me a message send me an email via the site what i'm trying to do is trying not to do much in the way of editing i want to sort of try and keep people's voices as they kind of come to me as much as possible you know apart from just occasional sort of tinkering with format or whatever that that people feel that they're not their story is not going to kind of be changed uh, or modified sort of too much at the very basis a bit of text maybe a couple of images to go with it a header um, or just something to illustrate what people are writing about i'm sort of leaving it relatively open to depending on what people want to do. But there's a few guidance sort of notes on the on the website. I'm happy to kind of chat people, sort of talk people through it if they drop me in a line. Yeah, anyone who wants to submit something on how cycling interacts with their mental health or sort of vice versa, please do. Should we talk about self-care tips now? Shall though? we? Yeah. Should we do our I, self-care tips? Yeah. What are yours, Jenny? Uh, <laughs> crying into my pillow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just need to put the do not disturb on on the phone mm. and just be like, I'm mm. checking this when yeah. I want to check it. The noises are permanently off. Occasionally when I'm at work, I'll leave it on the buzz setting. But I find mm. the phone to be an incredible source of stress. Mm. So I'm like really trying to distance myself from it. And I recently have retaken up knitting. Is that the right mm. way to? Taken knitting back up. Mm. Knitting again. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, knitting, I'm knitting like, again. in this old yeah. castle, like, where yeah, have you yeah. been, Jenny? <laughs> like, I have returned. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten back into knitting again. It's really, it's just pop on a podcast, like the Wheel Suckers podcast. Listen to your own podcast while you know. Yeah, basically. It's great. I love it. Mine, when I'm really stressed, is to clean. When I'm overwhelmed, everything is too much mm. and it's simplifying down my to-do list mm. but I find cleaning is something I can physically see a result from my actions mm. so a dirty plate becomes a clean plate feel like I've achieved something yep. and the process of cleaning helps me kind of calm down and kind of analyze the kind of emotions because you know you can just get too worked up I can get really like a record I can just set myself off and keep going round and round and round yeah, yeah. so I find that breaks the cycle simple things mm. to kind of calm myself and then work my way back up yeah yeah i actually find I sometimes i don't want to cycle when i'm super stressed mm. because well cycling in london yeah. <laughs> you may know it's a little yeah. bit stressful <laughs> and you'd have to be on it you need, really need to be like looking around and i feel when i'm again overwhelmed i can't yeah, take a lot of that in yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i used to i don't as much anymore but i Sometimes I used to take a one-day tube day as a treat mm. to listen to podcasts. Mm. <laughs> and because I hardly treat. ever get the tube, it is a treat for me because it's so bizarre. Here I am on the tube listening yeah, to my like, own podcast. Like, people do this every day. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God. I just want to go around asking people, like, how? Mm. How about you, Sarah? Wine. Hey. <laughs> no. <I'm> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> occasionally, uh, a, little, a little glass of wine. But no. I was just thinking about this because it's it's been I've gone through a, a period where I've not really spent much time on the self care. It's been kind of very difficult to, and, and this is a bit of an excuse to sort of fit it in. It's very easy to make those excuses. Oh, I'm too busy. I've got time. I've got to do this, 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 and it's you know those obligation statements. I need to do this. I've got to do this. Where you have to sort of try and you have to draw back from. But I think in the evenings that sort of come home from work, it might be just not doing anything particular and I do find that I might put on the TV and just 
sit on it and, and watch something. I ended up sort of watching a lot of sort of old sci-fi on pick or something like that. There's a good chance I've seen it before. Something sort of reassuring and there and is sort of stimulating to a certain extent, but also involves sort of turning the brain off a bit. But there are there are times when I think music helps to sort of de-stress. And I know there's certain sort of types of music which will which will shift my mood slightly. So if I am in kind of low mood, I listen to quite a lot of jazz. Mm. It just sort of brings me up a little bit, I think. But there are times when, you know, at the weekend that I will actually use the bike. But I think even just the way I approach the type of riding is to try and go out and not make any plans for where I'm going to go and say, oh, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this route and I'm going to spend this many hours out and, and just try and go with the flow and feel and do what I want to do and not give those sort of goals for myself, pedalling off into, into Kent and going, oh, well, I'll just see where where I'm going to go. If I fancy a coffee, I might stop for a coffee or not. And I think, yeah, sort of taking any sort of sense of I have to achieve this or feeling that I might, oh, I plan to achieve something. There are no sort of boundaries that you set yourself. I think that helps a lot. I was going to ask our listeners, what are your self-care yeah. tips? What do you do to de-stress please share let us know i want to know is it wine or, yeah. or not i want to know more ways to yeah. ignore work yeah yes. <laughs> and just use the excuse self-care I mean, uh, yeah. babe i'm self-caring <laughs> yeah i'm too busy self-caring i can't do this i can't come in today i'm self-caring I mean, have you identified that your sort of triggers are something particular sort of again and again i mean i thought work is a lot is very much my sort of my sort of low moods sort of triggers and things like that it's, it's around work and and goals and you know trying to achieve certain things i think we were talking about this earlier about trying to identify what it is and, it, and it's not that simple you know just of self-awareness of learning about all those things which start the process of maybe getting more stressed and recognising when the little signs drop in, like the sleep gets disturbed or you might start getting kind of, you know, headaches, neck aches because you're tensing around your shoulders and, and all that sort of thing. Where And sometimes by the time you realise it might be a bit too late, but picking up on those where you can start to do something about it before it gets kind of worse. It's a, it's a real tough learning process, I think. I'm going to start paying attention. Yeah, what, it's fun to try and what it is. keep an eye on yourself. It's always, it is work. Think, well, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Work. work is stressful. Yeah. Life is yeah. life is. Why can't life... just give us money just yeah. to exist? There's life stress too, like life admin when that piles oh, up. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. All the really just boring stuff as well, which you sort of feel obligated to. I think there's a lot of it's about obligations, and a lot of it is probably stuff that we put on ourselves as I need to do this. And those sort of, those phrases that you you don't even stop to challenge because they whiz past so quickly in your head, things that I've picked up from doing kind of CBT myself, and I'm sure quite a few of the listeners have that of just the sort of process of trying to slow down your thoughts a little bit so you can identify what's going on, so then you can start to think about maybe trying to modify how you approach um, those statements or kind of questions that you're asking yourself to make things easier on yourself. So you know, easier said than done. And when you've been thinking in a certain way for decades of your life, um, it's it's not going to happen overnight and you do have to keep working at it. But it's uh, the number of times I think it might, I might start keeping a bit of a checklist of how many times I use kind of should or need or ought to. Mm. Shout out to Lee Craigie because she has mm. the best email out oh, of yeah. office response and it just says, can it wait? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and like I got that back once and I was like, oh. Ow! Yeah. Ow. Yes, oh. it can. Yeah. But brutal. <laughs> and I, I keep musing if I could get away with doing that. Yeah. Look, mum, because it's such yeah. a brutal question. Yeah. Like, can it yeah. wait? And you're like, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a theory of you should treat yourself how you treat your friends. Mm. So you know how your friend will be like, oh, I'm super stressed out about 
X, Y, and Z. Mm. And you as a supportive friend would go, hell, hey, it doesn't matter. It's going to be okay. Mm. But when it's you saying that to yourself, you're like, well, come on, you need to do it. Yeah. And it has to be done now. And you said you were going to do it. And I've started learning to try and talk to myself like I would to a friend. You do need to hear it from other people all the time. And it, we are so much harder on ourselves than we would be on other people. So much. You think, well, would, would I do this to my best mate? No, no. A lot of people who go through anxiety and depression tend to have a tendency towards perfectionism or very, very high standards. Resetting those standards to something more manageable, again, is, is kind of really tricky because you might want, want to do something a certain way, but you're not taking on board whether you can, within the circumstances, actually achieve that. So again, when you don't achieve something, the tendency to kind of guilt yourself um, is, uh, yeah, it's very much there. It takes a long time to kind of retrain yourself out of those habits. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Would you like to talk about your personal experiences mm. with cycling and depression and anxiety? Mm. Yeah. I experienced depression for the first time about ooh, 20 years ago, but I didn't know what it was. I had some vaping. I was going through some kind of breakdown, but the, I didn't have the language to describe it. I was doing my master's, recently moved house, where the house I'd sort of grown up in. I'd been there for 13 years. I was sort of really finding it hard doing this master's in a different city to the, the place I'd done my, my undergraduate degree and it was a completely different environment in the department and I was really unsettled. I just moved back home because I was funding myself for this postgrad and just those kind of shifts where you've kind of lived away for three years and you're coming back home and it was just a really unsettling time and I didn't sort of deal with it very well or i and I, I just found myself sort of feeling very trapped. And I think, I, I don't know what to do about it, but didn't feel I could talk about it because I thought that admitting it was failure. You know, that sort of stereotype of my standards are so high, I don't want to admit to being not being able to cope with this. And so I internalised it all. And it got to the point where I went through a period where I was feeling sort of quite suicidal. I think the only time in my life that I felt sort of even kind of planned thinking about, about it, about, you know, so I stockpiled painkillers to the point. So really kind of extreme. But then 
by chance, one of my old schoolmates said, look, why don't you come and stay with my parents sort of over the summer during this two-year kind of part-time postgrad? And you can work in the library that you used to work in when you were younger. So I ended up sort of doing that. And those three months, two, three months away, sort of gave me enough of a break, I think, to sort of reset and and just sort of get over that period of depression. But it was it wasn't until it happened again about six years later that I sort of my, my then housemate said, Well, you know, maybe kind of go along to your GP and talk about it. And I I did. And I think that was the one sort of significant step of going to a GP and going, I think I need help. I think I'm depressed. And then that again, that was such a relief. But then all of a sudden I found myself talking with her about kind of options about what we might do about sort of accessing antidepressants or maybe kind of therapy. And it was that was the start of the recovery process. But it was even just within those six years of just suddenly trying to find the language to describe what had been going on was this sort of massive revelation. And I've noticed over the years as well that it's um, just the sort of change in kind of media coverage and people kind of talking about it. At the time, I my, my housemate who um, sort of nudged me to, to go along to the doctor, she was a key mountain biker and she was involved with, used to go along and race the Beastway mountain bike summer series, which was then on the old Eastway track in East London, which was the site that was later developed for the Olympic Park. Local clubs would take it in turns to uh, volunteer to kind of marshal the races kind of week by week. And she said sort of something, she suggested to me that um, why don't I come along and, and help her club? Because they were sort of a, a little bit low on numbers and, and she sort of thought it might be a good way of, kind of getting me out of the house, but different, something a bit different. So I ended up going along to, to Eastway Cycle Track and meeting John Mullineau and Bill Wright, who were running the series. I helped put up the course. I helped with sort of sign on marshalled. Um, I ended up doing the, the kind of lap scoring, I think. And I loved it. And I just went back kind of week after week. And they even encouraged me to do the race myself one week. Um, and I had this sort of steel, I think 1993 Kona Fire Mountain. Nice classic piece these days, but at the oh, time yeah. it... Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you still uh, have it? Um, I don't. I sold it for oh, a pair of wheels for the stork. No. I know, I know. I still, I still regret that. I'm like, oh. So I just didn't. didn't yeah. it was Some, early anyways, no, if you love it, let, let it go. I know, I know. We need to let them go. <laughs> I know. Every now and then I'm like, oh, I wonder where it is now. You know, it had platform pedals. Um, it wasn't kind of geared up for mountain biking. I certainly wasn't dressed for mountain biking, but they managed to sort of persuade me to do this race. And I was overtaken repeatedly by small children. Um, I was that We've rubbish. All been there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just remember sort of coming through the, the chicane at the end, just being so pleased that I'd been able to to do this and something I never would have done on my own. I needed that encouragement. I needed someone to say, hey, why don't you have it go? Because the, the atmosphere at Beastway is you know, really inclusive. You have a range of people. I mean, they're one of my friends I met there, on one occasion, she did a couple of laps, took a lap out for a cup of tea and a bun and then went back in and did a last lap, you know. <laughs> but then there were people who take it really, really seriously. And you had the whole kind of range and it was just a really, there was a really lovely atmosphere. And that sort of started the ball rolling. And I, not so much for the, the mountain biking, I ended up getting a, a road bike, sort of secondhand road bike about six months later and then started commuting to work. It was the social side that got me into cycling. And I think being around a lot of people who knew about bikes, people were very generous with their, their sort of knowledge and their kind of advice. Discovering a sort of new social circle as well and, and learning all these sort of new things tick so many boxes and also getting outside and doing a bit of exercise but before that I didn't do a huge amount of exercise walked quite a bit so walked many places but aside from that you know I didn't sort of go to a gym I didn't run or anything like that it was a real shift in my lifestyle and 
I ended up uh, helping to run Beastway for the next sort of nine years. And then we sort of passed the mantle. Of the the organising team were called Structuralist Tyranny. Um, we passed the mantle on. I was going to say, passed the handlebars. <laughs> We passed the handlebars yeah. on to people like Russ Jones from Hackney GT and, you know, Bricks and Cycles as a sponsor. And it really, it's really pleasing to see it continue on. We kind of knew we were, obviously, there were lots of people involved with Beastway were involved with the kind of planning for the Olympic Park. And that's, Beastway is not something we can really run here because they're not the facilities of the old Eastway track um, that we would use. So we ended up sort of moving to Hog Hill. And it was, you know, for all of us running the series towards the end of those that, that sort of period, we were all based in South London and it was becoming sort of quite a job for everyone to kind of get to the site, put the, the course up, run the series and then get back to South London on a weekday evening. Even though it was by the end of the sort of 10, 11 weeks of doing it, you know, we were all kind of quite worn out, but we still loved it and loved kind of coming back the following year. So that was, yeah, the first year I didn't do that. It was a bit strange not to have something to do in the summer on a Wednesday evening. I think um, my old housemate at the time and, um, and Beastway, Beastway in particular, kind of just kick-started the, the whole sort of cycling obsession. You know, you, you you start off with one bike, which you just happen to have in the house, then it kind of creeps up to two, then you discover all the exciting, shiny things you can buy, and you start learning how to sort of fettle your own machine. And then How it's, many do you have now? Yeah. <laughs> how many phones do you have? Seven or eight? I think it's seven. Seven is the perfect number, yeah. I think, personally. I used to have seven. I used to think was three like was the perfect number, but, you know, yeah. the sort of the summer bike, the winter bike, the commuter. Then you discover different types of cycling and then you think, you know, there's a track bike and then there's a touring bike. At the moment, I have the summer road bike, but I also have the summer road bike, which has the easier gearing. Um, it's more the foreign sportif bike, which I <laughs> such an idiot, um, uh, <laughs> which I haven't actually used because I hadn't um, ridden on the continent for a year or so. But I'd take it to southern Spain and kind of do, I did the attack on it and that sort of thing. But more recently, I've acquired a Velocino. Um, yes, I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> yes. It's called Meep Meep. But Meep. some of our listeners may not know what a Velocino What is it? <laughs> yeah, it's a really it's delicious new, drink. It's a yes. new coffee drink. Yes. Blended yes. coffee. It's yes. baby Chino and coffee. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Meep Meep, as, as it's become known, is the way that I find myself describing it to other people is a backwards mini penny farthing in that it has a 700c wheel at the back it has a small basically like pram wheel at the front <laughs> the saddle is over the back wheel and you have the sort of handlebars at the front it has very tiny cranks so you pedal like the blazes and it looks very stupid but it's the most fun bike i have it's ridiculous it's um, like a unicycle it's it's sort of it's like a it, training wheel unicycle we have one on display at look mum yeah. and it has these sweeping curved handlebars mm. like imagine you've just like chopped a cauldron in half it's just like <laughs> big sweeping round curve yeah. and they can actually swing and go underneath the saddle so you can cycle with your hands theoretically down. kind of down I by think, your bum. I think the one that you have slightly different to maybe the, the model yeah. I have because I know that it was the history behind it, it's designed from the, well, the, the version that, that we have is a modern sort of reproduction of a design from the 30s which allegedly was commissioned by Mussolini as a sort of urban runabout for Rome which was easy to store in, in small sort of dwelling places and there are you know pictures on the web of people riding this but the handlebars sort of come out from under the saddle so there's nothing in front of you but a tiny wheel and you're controlling it sort of you know alongside your, your kind of your legs whereas the one I have is, is has the handlebars in front I still got to play about with the saddle height I've sort of my shins are feeling it a bit <laughs> 
And also, I think I do need a new stem to push the handlebars a bit further. Because you're sitting over the back wheel, if you put too much force down on the pedals, you basically do a wheelie, um, which is what you don't want to do in London traffic and the commute (laughs) in the rush hour. Up in constant wheelies. Uh, (laughs) I guess you feel all the bumps as well. It is. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit bouncy. In fact, I've seen pictures of this. Rally did their own sort of reproduction in the 1960s of the Velocino. There's a few examples. Sort of. you know, one of my friends who I know through the Tweed Run and London Fixed Gear and Single Speed turned up with this bike. And recently a load of us have just had a go on it. And it's just the most fun thing ever. I mean, you just end up beaming from ear to ear when you're riding it because it's so silly. And, and the part, just the comedy value of just, you know, your legs going round like the blazes because with these tiny cranks. And it probably has a top speed of about 10 miles an hour. <laughs> so you had to leave a bit more time to get places. And I, I, you know, idly searching eBay, as one does. And I saw that there was this second-hand one that came up. And I'm thinking, there can't be that many that come up. So I thought, oh, what the heck, I'll go, I'll go for it. So I ended up buying this, like, I think it was someone in Southampton. And I think it was, I mean, there was, wasn't a scratch on it, it was sort of like new. And I, I've become, in my little block of flats I live in, I think I've become that neighbour because I kind of bumped into one of the people downstairs when I was at the, the box had been delivered and I was having this long conversation with this guy. His wife ended up sort of taking a rather bored child away and they just disappeared into their flat. And the guy, so I was sort of talking about it with this guy and I was like, yeah, I am that neighbour now, aren't I the one with all the weird <laughs> They'll be like, she's got another bike. I know. You know what? Those who know, know. Yeah. And if they don't, it's their problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, naively, I didn't really prepare for the amount of attention I'd get. Well, well, sorry. You're riding like a silly, stupid, a very silly looking bike. (laughs) People are going to look. I want to have a go. Oh, it's uh, it's downstairs. We can try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I meeped over here. I don't ride the bike. I meep it. Um, Just meep across down. (laughs) Does it have a chain? Yes, it does. Okay, so it's not direct drive. That's why I was thinking, like, is it a unicycle? No, it's not direct drive. Um, And it's got a coaster brake. So just in terms of in traffic, when you've got no brakes on the bars. But single speed. Yeah, yeah, of just looking ahead and timing your slowing. Yeah. So that's a bit new. I think the first time I rode it into town, I was sort of had sunglasses on and I was sort of doing the nonchalant, nothing to see here. I'm just going to, you know, pedal along. And, <laughs> I'm, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, I'm just meeping through Soho. It's fine. <laughs> nothing to see here. But some of the reactions, you know, they're generally really positive because people, I think one person may have made some sort of strong comment as to what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> Use slightly different language, but uh, oh, there was one person that I, was, I was meeping through Hyde Park, and someone said, "Oh my God, that's so cute!" I just you just hear it as you meet past them. A couple of weeks ago, I was going through. I was trying to say it was through Bloomsbury, and I was actually pulled up a, a, a van behind me, and the guy was sort of leaning out the window, just being really interested. He's like, "Oh, what's that like to ride?" Or, "Oh my God, I haven't seen that. Where's that from?" So I've got uh, quite a lot of interest. Um, that's good that a van driver is. Nice. Yeah. 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 He's seen you. Yeah. He's seen you. And, <laughs> and, uh, yes. and he's <laughs> talking <laughs> to you and he's not swearing. Yeah. Well, that's the benefit of riding something ridiculous. Yeah. Is that people notice you. I mean, there's something that's that just getting used to the, the weight and the balance of it, that sometimes it's a little bit wobbly starting off. But I think that is, actually that's a benefit because if people think you're a bit wobbly, they go, they pass yeah. you really widely. Yeah, they get really scared <laughs> if they're yes. like, they're going right. to go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, I'm going to kill someone on the crazy bike and it's just going to be too embarrassing. <laughs> it's better than high vis to be noticed on that. Yeah, <laughs> I think we can start yeah. a movement. Yeah. Like, yeah. I usually okay. get comments from my sticker because I have the Cyclist Stay Awesome mm. sticker. Oh, yes. yeah. And loads of people... Want to comment from on other that. cyclists or drivers? I've even had a taxi. I was cycling in it. The taxi like drove alongside me, yeah. and you know, and you're like, oh my oh. god. <laughs> 
here it comes. <laughs> and he wound the window down yeah, and I was like, yeah. okay. And he was like, hey, I like your sticker. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, uh, you know, and you're like, thank you. Wow. And he yeah. was like, you stay awesome too. And yeah. I was like, you stay <laughs> awesome. I was like, <laughs> yeah. he shot off and I was so dazed because I was yeah. like, oh my God, he didn't what abuse me or what shout at me. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, these guys leaned out the guy in the window and like, Brace yourself. I was settling it near um, on the end of the mall, so I was sort of tingling about with the seat height, and these guys came past me, and they were like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" (laughs) What is it? And just how is it? And this is the the level of interest. Mm. And then uh, I was coming back via over Blackfriars Bridge, and someone just whizzed past me, going, "That's brilliant!" (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's great. This is really good. Thanks, dude. But obviously, as he shot off past me, it's like desperately trying. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It is quite hard work. You do get a really good workout. The, the responses have have been kind of positive on the whole, apart from the occasional. You might need to be careful of the purse of when people aren't interested. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've oh, had that where, like, cause I have monkey lights. And I was going to say, I wonder if you get it with your bike balls. But there's times you don't get any yeah. comments, you know, and you're like, yeah. uh, they're yeah. over it now. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have this cool yeah. shit on my bike. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like, oh, so watch out for the lows that come yeah. when no one says anything. Oh, it's that woman like ridiculous bike again. I've yeah. seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, why are you not giving me cred? Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> so yeah, then I had to think of something else ridiculous. So, you know, another ridiculous bike to get. I just say, uh oh, that was oh, that's when oh, I got yeah, to escalating now. Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> that's when I moved to the penny farthing or no. you know, or a velocino farthing. Oh, oh yeah, this well, is a gateway just... penny farthing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It totally is. Um, yeah, just you know, you start with a velocino and <laughs> just mm. and then, and then it becomes recumbent yeah. tandem. Yeah. Oh, steady on. Oh, the other way. That's the other direction. Yeah. We're gonna go down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm just lying on the floor. It's like the wheels underneath me. Dang. Yeah, dangerous. Weird bikes. Be careful, yeah. everybody. Stay it's, safe. It's, it's like segwaying into freak. Yeah, it's freak bikes all the way now, baby. Freak bikes. Oh, yeah. oh um, dear. But yeah, so that's where I am at the moment. Uh, <laughs> at the cusp of your yeah. freak bike. Yeah. Good times. But, we're nearly out of time. Ooh. Do you want to share some resources? Well, there's an excellent blog called Bikes and Bridges. Yes. Uh, in terms of, of kind of basic information about mental health, the mind.org website, I think, is probably one of your, your best bets. That There's huge amounts of information about different types of mental health issues. You can kind of download. I mean, they do kind of hard copy booklets, but they're all on kind of PDF on the website. There are other sites like Rethink, there's also the sort of Mental Health Foundation. Um, I mean, there's quite a few. Actually, on the blog, I'm sort of in the process of listing them. In my opinion, sort of best sort of Twitter accounts and things to kind of follow in terms of um, chat. But I think when it comes down to it, if you're particularly if you're dealing with it for the first time round and it's all kind of new and probably a little bit scary, is just encouraging people to go along to your GP. I think GPs better informed than they were, and I know that um, from my own psychological therapy service that I, I work with it's taken a while to actually inform sort of GPs to make sure that they know what's available so they know how to refer people on but you know most boroughs will have their own sort of talking therapy service where you can kind of access sort of CBT and MBT and um, mindfulness maybe counselling as well to start the process I mean that's sort of a um, low to moderate anxiety and depression and I think something that Jules Walker picked up on during the the look mum evening is that it's trickier when you're in a more severe sort of depressive sort of state and you just don't have the ability 
and um, sort of cognitive sort of functioning to be able to engage with something like CBT. You know, there's homework. You had to really sort of think about stuff. So it is kind of tricky. And so my own experience was to, I did use antidepressants to get me up enough to be able to then continue the recovery process. And there is a bit of a gap in provision, you know, there's crisis services and there's kind of low to moderate, there's kind of, you know, the counselling um, and therapy uh, options, but there's not a huge amount for um, sort of severe depression. So I guess a lot of it in terms of it's worth thinking about building up your own support network, whether it's friends or activities you undertake or can, you know, a combination of both. But for, yes, uh, the, there are also some good blogs out there, to, you know, from other cyclists and some of the people that I've featured on Bikes and Brains, you know, have their own sites as well. I'd suggest actually just reading around what other people kind of go through and then feeling sort of less isolated helps a great deal. But in terms of more sort of formal advice, then, you know, your uh, organisations like kind of, yeah, Time to Change and Mind and Rethink, great information on their sites. Can I just add something the stuff that I've gone through. So I've done CBT, Mm. I've done psychotherapy. But one of the things that was really helpful last year that I did was through the School of Social Entrepreneurs. I was accepted Mm. onto this program for organizations getting ready to grow rather than like just a pure startup. But like you've been established for a few years now. You know, what's going on? How can we help? And they did this thing where it was like group therapy for entrepreneurs. They didn't call it that, but mm. that's what it turned that's into. Right. <laughs> what it was. Yeah. And it was really good. And I try, I'm racking my brain to remember what it was called. But what it was, Probably it was probably. led by an external person. Mm-hmm. And there was about like five or six of us. And you would present to the group and in each session. And the rest of the people would then ask open-ended questions to that person about trying to guide them into okay yeah different ways of looking at something or different ideas to mm. try but not say like oh you should do this mm. which was frustrating but at the same time was like really in, it's another way of thinking yeah and thinking of you have some of these answers you know they are there. It's just someone needs to draw them out yes, of you. Absolutely. And it was also just really good. It's that loneliness thing. Like, it's lonely at the top mm. and mm. you're on your own. And so when you're meeting other people who are also lonely at the top, it turns into this like, oh, my God, it's the same. I'm not alone. It's not just <laughs> me. Like, And that was the best outcome yeah. of that was just knowing like, oh, wow, a lot of this is normal. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going through a severe sort of depressive period and if you're anything like me and your focus goes and you just don't have the ability to process lots of information, as far as sort of Twitter, if you want something kind of bite-sized pieces, I think that's where social media kind of comes into its own you can kind of bookmark for later and kind of come back to and you don't have to spend sort of lots of cognitive energy just sort of thinking about it right at that moment and trying to digest it. You can say, get it in little bits of, um, little bit of text now and then, which feels a bit more manageable. My top tip... Nice top tip. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank My you, pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Anytime. If you like what we do, squish that like, like button, rate. rate us on iTunes, and subscribe. subscribe. If you can't give us your money, give, give us, us your stars. stars. And don't forget to slam that share. share button and tell all your podcast listening and perhaps also cycling friends about our, our show. show. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 